Would you welcome them, Dave and Carmi? Good morning, church. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, it's good to be here today. Thank you so much for allowing us to come and thank you so much for supporting us for the last so many years. We're excited that we're going back to Hungary this, uh, this fall and, uh, Carmi and I will be going back and, uh, we are excited to what God is doing in that place and we're going to tell you a little bit more about it. But first, uh, can you go to the next slide? We're going to introduce you to our family. So on the screen, you'll see a picture of our family. Um, that's our son is Weston. He's actually was roommates with Evan for two years. Um, when well, for a discounted rate at North Central, at North Central, we're going to help our um, MKs go to school for a discounted rate at North Central University. She called me. She goes, there's a discount for missionary kids. And I said, great. Our sons will live together. My son was at a movie. He came home and I said, guess what? You're going to North Central and you're going to live with Evan Piarki. And um, he was not too impressed with it, but now he's so grateful for the opportunity to, and they've just been great buddies and to walk this MK life of moving back to the States without family. So um, Wesson's a soccer player at North Central. He's a junior. He'll graduate next year. Um, his girlfriend graduated yesterday, so we had the opportunity to be up there and to celebrate with her and her family. Um, and then that's also a picture of our daughter. Her name is Jelaine, and um, she's a freshman this year at North Central. She will be, uh, it'll be very hard as, as we leave this fall because we'll be leaving both of those kids behind, but Lainey's a li- works in the library at North Central. She's studying the global studies. She really has a, feels a call to be a, a, a female pastor and maybe go back overseas is what her goal is. So you can just pray for us as we transition this fall and go back without both our kids. We gave up our house in Budapest so that we can move closer to the city and not be so close to where the kids' school was. So we were, we'll have some big challenges when we first get back. We have a table in the back there, and it has some things that are on there that you could see. Most important, we have a prayer card. And every time, we're asking that everyone will take a prayer card and put it on your refrigerator. And every time you get hungry, pun intended, it's really bad. It gets worse. Hang on. Uh, every, every, every time you get hungry, you'd pray for the Buckleys, and you'd say, Lord, bless them, and as you grab that milk carton. So next fl- slide, please. Some people might say, you know, I have no idea where hungry's at because, you know, geography is not my thing, and that's okay. This is a picture of Europe, and it's about the same size as the lower 48 states in the United States, so you get an idea of how big Europe is. Uh, next slide, please. This is where Hungary's located at. We're right there in the middle, in the center, uh, the eastern part in the old days. Next slide, please. You can see this is a close-up of Hungary. Uh, we have Austria on the left-hand side of us. It used to be called the Austrian-Hungarian Empire for a very long time until World War One. We have Slovakia above. We have Ukraine right next to us. We do share a border with Ukraine. Uh, there's some things that are happening in Ukraine that, right now that you know of. And uh, we've been sending supplies over to the border that we have between our two countries. Uh, it's not a very popular border. There's lots of mountains there, so not too many refugees do come through that area, but we are getting refugees in that area. Uh, we have every, uh, we pastor an international church in Budapest. We have refugees in our church at this moment, and we've been helping them out. We've been sending supplies over there, just like what you're doing here, everything else. We've been working with the uh, National Church in Hungary, and they set up a warehouse at the border right there, and as soon as people come in, they are supplied with uh, the things that uh, that they need and stuff like that. And then we also have Romania and things like that. Our capital city is Budapest. I did pronounce that correctly, Budapest. 
and that's how the Hungarians pronounce it, Budapest. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, this is our house in Hungary. Uh, you're all welcome to come at the same time. There's plenty of room. It only has one bathroom. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this is the palace where the king and queen used to live. Uh, this is their summer palace. Uh, this is what they used to live in the summertime, and it overlooks the river. Next slide, please. Uh, this is the parliament building. This is the, where the, all the laws of the country are made, and that's also on the river. That's across from the, the palace there. Next slide, please. This is a, a downtown street that you could see. This is one of the main churches right there. It's very old, very quaint, very nice. Next slide, please. This is just the downtown area. It's a hard place to work at. It is actually one of the most beautiful cities. There's a lot of tourists that come there. There's a lot of people that come there, international people. Uh, a lot of Hungarians that are living there that speak English. Next slide, please. But the most important people that we see there are the Hungarians themselves. And, and they have been a blessing to us. These are a couple of our friends that we've met and uh, got to know in Hungary. But I'm going to tell you what. It is also a very sad place because many Hungarians do not know who Jesus Christ is. To be Hungarian means to be a Christian. Just like someone from Saudi Arabia is a Muslim, someone from India might be a Hindu. I'm Hungarian, so I, the only religion I have is Christianity. And they really don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There was a, a company that came, and uh, next slide please, and they did a, um, a survey, and they asked four basic questions. But questions like, do you believe in Christ? Do you read the Bible? Uh, things like that. And they asked those questions. If you answer, ask the Hungarians that came out to two then they would consider you to be evangelical. They asked the Hungarians that came out to 2.8%. Same questions were given to the Americans. Next slide, please. It comes out to be 28.9%. That literally means that almost a third of America considers themselves evangelical. And if you think that's too high, then maybe the number for 2.8 for the Hungarians is a little too high also. What it boils down to, next slide please, is this, that 97% of Hungarians do not know who Jesus Christ is. Many Hungarians go to church twice a year, Christmas and Easter. And that's the only times they'll come. And there are very, there's many Hungarians that don't go to church at all. Maybe when they were baptized as a baby, and when, they're, when they die, they'll be uh, done the service rites at the church there. But many Hungarians do not know who Christ is. So it's our job as missionaries to go over there and to tell them about Jesus Christ and to be a, a, a person that tells them about who he is and help them out. So what we did was we started an international church. Next slide, please. We started an international church in the heart of the city. Next slide, please. And it's called Riverside Church Budapest. And we started that in 2014, and we've been working on it very hard. And next slide, please. There's about 130 people uh, I'm sorry, about 150 people that go from some 25 plus nations and we're reaching the local Hungarians around the world. In fact, our church plant, next slide please, is located in an old warehouse. Uh, this used to be a, during the communist time period, used to be where you had the clothing textile factory right there. And so we started on the left-hand side and we outgrew it so quickly and we started searching for a new place and we started praying and God give us a new place and, and we started searching and every place that we went to was kept on saying, no, 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 you can't go. That's not a church location. You can't go. Lo and behold, right next to us was a disco. Next slide. And that's what the disco looked like in its heyday. 
In fact, this place was so packed out, and, and they were there for many years. And, and we would go to church on Sunday morning, and, and what you did was you come in from the front door, and there's a steps to the left and steps to the right. You go to the right, it's a disco. Go to the left, it's our church. And you walk in, you can hear the thumping music of Gloria Gaynor and Staying Alive happening right on the right-hand side. And we're going to church on the left-hand side, and it was really loud. And, and then one day they, they were gone. They were kicked out. And they left, they left in anger. Next slide, please. And when they left the building, they left the building in terrible shape. They took the lights, they took the floor, they took the rails, they took the sinks, they took the toilets, they took the doors, they took everything. And if they couldn't take it, they destroyed it. And so they just demolished the areas. Next slide, please. And so this place was just gutted out. And we knew that God was calling us to this place. And so what we said was, we're going to take this disco and make it a worship house of praise. And we're going to put walls up and we're going to make classrooms and we're going to do different things. Next slide, please. So we started tearing down walls. We started tearing down things and we started renovating it. Next slide, please. And then this is a picture of our first service in the building there. And it was just packed out with different people there. I just love taking discos and making them churches. That's all I gotta say. Next slide, please. It's just filled with people and we're so excited about it. In fact, this next week we're going back to Hungary for the next month and just to make sure that things are working out and we're working on different projects. We still have little things to do. We need to get carpeting on the floor, front doors, things like that, sound system set up. Next slide, please. And just different things like that. There are a couple people I want to introduce you. You've been supporting us for many years. I wanted to show you some of the people that you've actually invested this is Lewis. He's from Kenya. And Lewis is a student there in Budapest. There's many students that come from different countries of the world because Budapest is one of the mostly inexpensive places to, uh, to have education. And also it's all done in English. And so um, Lewis here came from Kenya and he went there and he started as a student. He became, uh, decided to be, uh, join our worship team to learn how to play the bass. And he was on our worship team for many years. He actually went on a ski retreat. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, Kenya Kenya is in the middle of the Africa, and there's no snow there. And uh, so he said, I want to go skiing. And we're like, have you ever seen snow? And he says, yeah, a couple times. And I'm like, and you want to go skiing? He says, yeah, I want to go skiing. I want to learn. So he actually went skiing on a skiing trip with us. Did an excellent job. I like to kid with him and say, you know what? You should serve on the Kenya ski team in the next Olympics because he was just a great guy. But Lewis was a guy who encouraged us. He was blessed by, and he was looking for a home away from home. And that's where he found it at our church in Budapest. Next slide, please. Us, Wisconsin. Kinga and their three boys. And Mike is from La Crosse, Wisconsin. And he goes to our church and his wife is Kinga and she's from Hungary. And uh, their main language at home is English and Hungarian. And uh, they like to come to our church because they want to learn English a little bit more for their kids and stuff like that. And uh, we call them one of our international couples. And uh, it just happens to be that Mike was traveling home from Hungary to back to the United States, back to Wisconsin. And we had a friend that was visiting us at that time. And he went with them. He was on the same plane. And they started talking. He gave the card of our church and said, you should go to Riverside Church. And so he ended up at our church with his family. You know, God plants you at certain spots at certain times. And you don't know when that's going to happen. So just be prepared. And we're just so glad that Mike and Kinga are in our church. Next slide, please. Here are two brothers, and their faces are blocked off for security reasons. And I will call them Peter and Paul. That's not their real names, but 
in the autumn of 2020, uh, they sent me a message saying that they wanted to meet with us. And they said they were from a Middle East country, and they came to know Jesus, and they wanted to know if they can come to our church. So I met with them at a coffee shop, and they uh, were talking to me. And I said, how did you come to know about our church? How did you come to know Christ? And the one brother said, I was having dreams about drowning in a lake, and I didn't know what it meant. And I felt like someone was trying to rescue me, but I didn't know who that was. And so I was drowning, and, and I kept on having these dreams. And so I started searching, and I couldn't find any answers. And so I, I knew that I had to get a Bible. I don't know why, but I knew I had to get a Bible. And in, that, in their country, it's illegal to have a Bible. You will be arrested for having a Bible. So they said, our friend smuggled us a Bible, and we have a Bible. And, there, and I saw it. It was there sitting on the table wrapped up in paper so you couldn't see the cover of it. And he says, we started reading the Bible, and I started reading about the story about a man who was walking on the water with Jesus. And he started to drown, and he started to go underneath. And, I, and, and Jesus grabbed him and pulled him up, and I knew in my dreams that was Jesus. Jesus telling me to follow him. And so, can we come to your church? I did a quick prayer and I said, yes, you can come to our church. And I, I said, there's no problem with that. And so we helped them to get to our church. We bought them new Bibles. We got them some literature in their own language. And then we were able to baptize them in water a few weeks later. And we were so blessed to have Peter and Paul a part of our church there. Next slide, please. This is Steve and Lila. Uh, they're from South Africa, and they came to our church very first time at Christmas time. And uh, uh, they, we were giving away poinsettias at that time because it was just a fun thing to do. And, and so we were giving a, uh, away, and, and she, she won. On the first day, she won the poinsettia. And she's like, I love this church. I'm going to come back here next week. And she started coming every week. And it was Valentine's Day, and uh, she, we asked a question, simple question in the audience, who's been married the shortest time? And we'll give you a box of candy, a big box of candy. And they raised their hands, and we, we've been married for six months. So they won the candy at Valentine's Day. And then it came around Easter time, and guess what? She won the lilies on that day. I told her to go out and play the lottery for us. You know, just kidding. I do not endorse the lottery at all. But uh, <laughs> there's just been a blessing in our, in our lives, and they're so helpful. They come up, and they help us out every, each and every time. And they're just part of our family there. The next slide here is our last slide of the people I want to introduce. This is David and Jewel. They're medical students. They come to from us from uh, South Korea and uh, Taiwan, and uh, they've been missionary or they've been uh, students there. And they came and helped us out at the church. And they've been medical students, and we have a lot of students that are there that are just there for four years or three years. And um, we have American students that show up at our our building that have been there for only about three months and stuff like that. And so we're a home away from home for them. And we help them to ground themselves and to, to walk closer to Christ as they're in a foreign country, in a foreign place, because it's all different for them too. And so uh, they have been part of our uh, ministry there. Next slide, please. This is why we're missionaries to Hungary. There are 3.3 million people in the city of Budapest. There are 10 million people in the country of Hungary that need to know about Christ, that need to hear a good message that need to know about the saving salvation about Jesus Christ and, our, and what their hearts long for. And that's why we are there. And can I say that because of your giving to missions, because of your time, your resources, and because of your prayer, and because of what Jesus Christ, there in the Bible that there will be people 
that come to know Jesus Christ. There, in the Bible, it talks about in the book of Revelation that we will all stand before the throne of God. And there'll be people in the front of that throne named Attila, named Paul, named Peter, named Louis, Jules, David, Kinga, Maria. They'll be standing there because you gave. You gave towards missions. And I know sometimes you, you that offering bucket or, or that plate or you donate money and it seems like it just disappears. That money does go to us. We do receive that money. We do see that and we do use it for his kingdom. And I just want to thank you so much for all that you give in your prayer and your dedication and in your giving at that. So thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark 2. Mark 2, 13 through 17. And while you're looking that up, I have a little story. It's not true, but I have a little story for you, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, a young couple invited their older pastor for Sunday dinner. While they were in the kitchen preparing the meal, the pastor asked their six-year-old son what they're having to eat. We're eating goat, said the little boy. Goat, said the pastor. Are you sure about that? Oh, yes, I'm sure we're eating goat. The pastor said, I'm pretty sure it's chicken or pork. He says, no, no, we're having goat. We're having goat for uh, dinner. He says, how do you know that's true? The little boy said, I heard mommy telling daddy, we might as well have that old goat over for dinner today instead of next week. Ooh, yeah, that's rough. I I told you it's just a story, okay? I love this. It's a good joke because it goes in with our text today. I love the story uh, that we're going to read, it's about Jesus going to dinner. And he's going to dinner and he's having a, a, a time with, with different people that he's usually not accustomed to being with. And, and it's a great story. The more I read about Mark and his, uh, his text here, the more I love it. And I want to read from verses 13 through 17. And I have the slides up here on the screen if you want to follow along. Or you can look in your device or your Bibles at this time. It says in verse 13, at one, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for they were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord God, that your word is true. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is alive and active. And I pray, Lord God, it would penetrate our hearts today. And we give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The first point I want to come across is this. Number one. Next slide, please. Follow the Savior. Follow the Savior. If you see in verse 13, it says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a crowd came to him, and he began to teach. People saw Jesus, and they started running towards him, and they wanted to hear what Jesus was saying, and they wanted to be near him. And this large crowd came, and they crowded around him. But in the midst of that crowd, Jesus sees one man. He notices Levi, and it says in verse 13, as he was walking along, he sees Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. People are everywhere, but yet Jesus sees Levi. 
Levi is the son of Alphaeus. He is, it's the, it's the same person who wrote the gospel of Matthew, but it was common in the first century to give your children several different names. And Levi, the other name was Matthew. And, and maybe they gave him the name of Levi because they wanted to have him grow up to be a, a religious uh, leader in this community or, or whatever it would be. But he didn't come become a priest. No, he became a tax collector. It says in the book of Mark here that he writes that he was sitting at a tax collector's booth, which is another way of saying that he was the scum of the earth. He had purchased a tax franchise from the Roman government, which allowed him to charge taxes on anyone who was walking by. And he, he required so much amount from that person, and yet he would charge a little bit more so he could keep the rest amount. And that means that he could amount that he needed to give, but yet he kept his own amount. And that means that he could become very wealthy. And, and where he was located at near that lake was a trade route that went right by that area there. So it was easy for him to point out people and just grab them and say, I want your money. In the first century, a tax collector was not the best of humanity. They were not honest people, and everyone knew they would overcharge you. They were not trusted. In fact, they were not even allowed to give a testimony in court of law because they weren't trusted. They were considered traitors because they were, even though they were Jewish, they were working for the Roman government, and that was that was evil empire to them. They were despised, and they were excommunicated, outcasts. The rabbis in the first century during this time period would say that a, a tax collector had no way of getting into heaven. And people would see a tax collector and think of all these things, and Levi knew that. He knew that about himself. Nobody liked a tax collector. In Mark 2, 14, we read that Jesus sees Levi. Jesus does not see a tax collector. He sees a person. Jesus sees past the sin and sees a servant. He could tell that Levi is unsatisfied and searching for something in his life. And when Jesus looks at people, he sees the potential in people. He knows that you're in a mess and he knows what matters to you and he sees what no one else can see and he sees your guilt and he sees your shame and he also sees a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, people will stand around and remind you of your past, but Jesus will always tell you about your future. And Jesus tells Levi a very short command. He tells him, follow me, follow me. And it's interesting to see in the book, what does Levi do? He doesn't react to Jesus. He doesn't laugh or ignore Jesus. He doesn't argue with Jesus. He doesn't get mad at Jesus. And Jesus tells him, follow me. And it says in the Bible that he gets up and he follows him. And he obeys right away and he gets up and he makes a decision. He does it. This same story is found in the book of Luke, in Luke 5, 27, 28. And I'm going to read these two verses to you because they're just a little different than what we've read today. And it says this, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Verse 28, And Levi got up, and here's the two words that are different, left everything and followed him. He left everything and followed him. It was amazing because what he did was he left his income right there. He left his job right there. He left his clients right there. He left everything. 
He broke his business. He got up and he followed Jesus. He didn't tidy up the books. He didn't write down some notes and close them up. He didn't gather up the money. No, he walked away from the whole thing. What have you left for Jesus? What are you willing to leave for Jesus? Jesus sees this tax collector and tells him to follow him. So the very first thing that we need to do is follow Jesus. The second thing, next point here, is to focus on the sinners. Verse 15 and 16 and 17 talks about Jesus being at Levi's house where there were many tax collectors, the sinners there. And, and they, they had this discussion going on and Jesus says, on hearing this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I like Levi. I like Levi because he wants someone to do it. He, he gets saved. He comes to know Jesus and he throws a party. And he invites all his friends to come over. The, the thing is here is it's just not any friends that came. No, it's probably Levi's friends. And he was a tax collector. And therefore, his friends were probably tax collectors and sinners. And they were probably the worst of all the worst in all society there. And it says in the Bible that he threw that, he throws this party and he invites all his friends to come to meet Jesus. And I, I can imagine a room about this size and it's filled with tables everywhere and, and there's food and there's drink on it and it's crowded and right in there's a whole bunch of people, the, the sinners of sinners there and the, and the despised people and the rejects of society right there. And right in the middle of all those people is Jesus smiling, happy. Wait, shouldn't Jesus have shunned them and walked away? No, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. And thank God he sat down with them. And thank God he sat down with you and me. Next slide, please. Number one, I see three important factors that will help us focus on sinners. Next slide, please. Number one, that we need to be with them. Jesus having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were there eating there also. In the first century, to have dinner at somebody's house means a term of friendship. It means I accept you. Uh, to eat at someone's house means that you're joining them with them in friendship. Uh, some of the most effective evangelists in this world today are brand new Christians. and They still have a lot of sinner friends in their lives. And they can't stop talking about Jesus when they come to know him. But over time, zeal starts to evaporate and connections with non-Christians are replaced with new friendships with Christians. In one sense, this is good because uh, some unhealthy relationships need to end. But in other parts, it's not good because we don't need to cut off relationships and insulate ourselves from the very people that Jesus wants us to be with. We need to be with sinners. We need to be with sinners. Whether it's here in this city or in the city of Budapest, we need to be just like Jesus and have dinner with them. Another important factor is this. Next slide, please. Is this, that we need to be ready for opposition. In verse, if you mix it up with a loss, it's most likely someone's going to criticize you. In the verse 16, it says, when the teachers of the law saw that Jesus was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they criticized him. And if this is the first time that Mark mentions the Pharisees, and they were known as the specialists in the laws in those days, and, and the rules and follow God. And I got to give them credit because they attempt to create this system to obey God's law. But the problem was, as in this point of creating this system to obey God's law, they kept on adding laws to that law. And they kept on adding rules and regulations. And let me give you an example. Let's say I painted this pulpit, this beautiful pulpit. I wouldn't do that. It's very nice. But let's say I painted this pulpit white. And I put a little sign here that says, do not touch because the pulpit is wet. 
a Pharisee would come in and they'd stand right here and they'd say, oh, I see the pulpit's wet, so I shouldn't touch it. So I need to put the sign back here. So they added another layer. And then another Pharisee comes in and says, oh, I see that the pulpit's wet, so that sign should go back there. And they put the sign back there. And if another Pharisee would come in and says, oh, I see the pulpit is wet and the sign's back there, it should be on the front door. And soon you find yourself outside the building because the pulpit's wet. And so what they try to do is they kept on adding different laws and different rules and regulations and God's in order to follow him. And the number one command that they had was this, don't associate, do not be with sinners. And the Pharisees, they were interested and they were upset because Jesus was with the sinners. And they noticed that the Pharisees cornered the disciples to complain. The criticism was really not towards Jesus, but towards his disciples But they didn't have the guts to face Jesus. And it really bothered them that Jesus was spending so much time with sinners. Be with sinners. And when you do, expect opposition, which leads us to the third truth. And this is it. We need to be like Jesus. I love how Jesus reframes our understanding. And he takes this opportunity to clarify his mission. And this entire purpose was to spend time with sinners in order to bring salvation to them. Verse 17 says this, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. As followers of Jesus, we must keep on coming back to the example of Jesus. And if we claim to follow Jesus, we need to focus on the sinner. I've been at several hospitals in the Budapest area and in and, and the areas around that. And I've been in clinics and sometimes it's for myself and sometimes it's for visiting people. And some of those places are just terrible places to be at. And some of them are very dirty for old. And, and it's very, sometimes they're very scary to be at. But I notice one thing is some patients look very pale when I go there. Some of them are walking slowly because of an injury. Some of them are bleeding. Some of them are coughing and sneezing. Some are not moving very much. And some of them are not, and none of them are smiling because no one's feeling that great. And everyone's there because they are sick in some way or somehow. And the truth is the medical clinics and hospitals are not for the healthy people. When people are sick, they need a doctor. And Jesus seeks those who are sick with sin. And the church is meant to be a hospital for the hurting, not a palace for the perfect. Can you imagine a hospital with a mission statement that said this, we're here for the healthy. If you're sick, please stay away. Can you imagine a church that solves its purpose only for a perfect people? Let's be clear. We exist as a church to help the hurting and the sick, to minister to the people who are lost and confused in life, to serve those who are sick with sin, to love the unloved in this world and in this city and that were given by the great physician. And there are people who are hurting in this world and in this city and around the world, and, and, and they need Jesus. And when I hear someone says, I don't want to come to church because it's full of hypocrites, and I say, praise God, because I am an imperfect person. Because this is not a perfect church. Because praise God, it's made of imperfect people who have been forgiven. Just like you and me. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came to bear our burdens, to become the sacrifice for our sins. But the Pharisees forgot all about this. About the hurting, about the loss. And the whole purpose of Jesus' coming was to save sinners. Next slide, please. Are you willing to follow the Savior and focus on the sinner? In the 1920s, next slide, please. In the 1920s, there was a young man. His name is Alfred. This is Alfred that you could see here. He was riding on a tram to work. And every day he would ride 
to work on that tram and then work all day and then go home on the same tram. One day, while he was riding home, a young man came on that tram and was talking about believing in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and invited Alfred to church. And Alfred was already a member of another church, although he didn't attend very often, but he was a member and he thought of himself as a Christian. And so he said, well, I'm already a Christian. And the young man says, well, you need to come to my church. It's off of Clay Avenue. And he says, okay, I'll go. And so Alfred goes to that church service and he loves the church and he falls in love with Jesus and he becomes a Christian. And so he accepts the Lord and decides to dedicate his life to follow after Jesus the rest of his life. He he gets married to a young lady and they start having kids and they start going out and pastoring. And those kids grew up in the church and they started having, they started having marriages and started having kids of their own. And one of those kids is standing before you today. Alfred was my grandfather, Alfred Buckley. And someone told my grandfather, Alfred Buckley, about Christ. And that one meeting on a tram in 1920s changed my family for four generations. It changed his generation, my parents, my generation, now my kids. Lord willing, their kids someday. Who are the Alfred Buckleys in your life? Who are the Levi's in your life that need to know about Jesus? Jesus says, follow me. For me and my family, that led us to hungry. But where is the Savior taking you today? Where does he want you to go? Are you willing to follow the Savior and focus on the sinners today? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this moment, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for this church. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would bless this place, Lord God. Lord, we're so grateful for all this church has done for us and has done for missions across this world and done has for the community in this area. But Lord, I know that you are calling people to touch other people's lives. And so, Lord God, I pray that you give us an opportunity to see those Levi's, to see those Alfred Buckley's in this area, Lord God. Lord, see those people in our, in our world, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you would give us an opportunity, even this week, Lord God, to share the gospel message. And Lord, it may be just something like a smile or God bless you or whatever it may be, or, or just being an example of Christ to somebody. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to somebody's heart. And Lord God, I pray that they'd be challenged. Lord God, I pray for those who are uh, here today that have loved ones that are not saved, Lord God. I pray that in some way, somehow, that they would become to know you, Lord, as Savior. And I pray, Lord God, that they would come to know you for, ask for forgiveness of their sins. Lord God, I just thank you for this church. I pray, Lord God, that it would be a lighthouse in this area. Lord God, it may the light of Christ shine out in this area, Lord God. And may people be drawn to these doors and to these chairs. And may they hear the message of Jesus Christ and accept you as Lord and Savior. And Lord God, I pray a blessing upon this church, Lord God. It has blessed us, Lord God, and many people around this world, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that you continue to use this people and this place, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you bless the fact, uh, the staff, Lord God, and, and every person that is here today. And we give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.